tells us in Acts uh, chapter 27, um, starting at verse 1. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they had delivered Paul. We is referring to the one that's writing the book of Acts is Luke. He's with Paul at this time. And this Paul now is given over from, from leaving Caesarea and heading all the way over to Rome at this time. So I'm going to start back again, verse 1. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy to deliver Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan court named Julius, and embarking in a ship of Adramtim, I've been working on the word all week, y'all, and I still can't get it, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea accompanied by Artisticus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea, from there we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea, along the coast of Cecilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra and Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with the difficulties off Sinatus. And as the wind did not allow us to go further, farther, we sailed under the Leo Creek off of Solomony, coasting along it with difficulties. We came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of La Silla. Since much time had passed, and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to be spent with the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Verse 13. Now when the south wind blew, gently supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon as the temperate wind called the northeaster struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and caught and could not face the wind, but gave way to it, we were driven along. We were driven along, running under the lee of a small island called Cotta. We managed with difficulties to secure the ship boat. Ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used support to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the Citrus, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven alone. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. Verse 19, And on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard 
with their own hands, when neither sun nor stars appear for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Verse 21. So they had been without food for a long time. Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I worship. And, said, and he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we must run aground on some island. 27. When the 14th night had come, as we're being driven across the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther on, they took the sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And here, then fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for days to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship boat into a sea under pretense of laying out anchors from their boat, from the boat, Paul said to the centurion, to the soldier, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. The soldier cut away the ropes of the ship and boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, said today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. Jump down to 39. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned it possible to run to the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them into the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made the for the breach the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground, the bow struck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But since Centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan, he ordered those who could swim to jump aboard first and make it for the land, and the rest planks and pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to the land. I know it's a lot that I read, but I know all scripture, scriptures is God breathed and is profitable for the believers. So let me pray for us and let us see what the words of ship crash have to do with the Christian walk about the glory of God. Um, so let's bring all this together uh, here in just a moment. Let me pray for us. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us back another day, Lord, to be in your house with your people. Lord, we um, read a text like this we just read. We ask so many questions, Lord. It's a lot of this stuff feel like it happened in the past. So what does it have to do with the believer? But Lord, we ask you, Lord, to help us see, Lord. It has a lot to do with the believer. It has a lot to do with our walking you, to conform to you. 
So help us see that today. Help me, Lord, in my weakness. Give me the wisdom, Lord. Let me preach your word faithfully. Give me everything that's needed, Lord, to care for your people at this time. So, Lord, be with us at this time. And for those that are here, let them be attentive to your word. Let them not be drawn towards what's going to happen tomorrow or later on this day or, or tonight or whatever, Lord. But let, let them see the beauty of your glory, Lord, right now, how you're enriching us in your word. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to give us a word this night. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. We have learned in history so many things that have been invented. Um, I think the History Channel put out not too long ago eight black inventors who made daily life easier. And many of these inventors that made life easier, many of them are thought of not to be smart. A lot of people didn't like the idea that they tried to propose to create what they created. But they went and pushed past all the adversity and pushed past all of the, um, the negativity for them not to be able to create certain things for them to be great inventors today. For example, the three light traffic signal invented by Gary Morgan in 1923. Today we have the light, white right, traffic light, created by Gary Morgan. There was another guy who was considered not to be as smart. Many people didn't want to listen to him. What about the home security system created, co-invented by Mary Van Britten Brown in 1966? Before security system began, became efficient homes, an African-American nurse, Mary Van Britten Brown, devised an early security unit for her own home. She spent many nights in a home in Queens, New York, while her husband was away. Many other inventors that wasn't considered to be as brilliant was a guy named Frederick McKinley Jones. He created the refrigerated trucks now. Refrigerated trucks, you, you have seen trucks that carry different frozen goods across the country. He said if your refrigerator has any produce from local grocery stores, then you can credit African-American inventor Frederick McKinley Jones. Jones took out more than 60 patients throughout his life including a patient for the roof. Oh, I mean, I said patient, I'm saying patents, I'm sorry. Over 60 patents throughout the life. Also another one I can mention, the automatic elevator doors, invented by Alexandra Miles in 1887. The use of elevators in everyday life keeps people from committing to long and grueling climbs up several lights. Another one I can mention is the the, uh, the electric, electric microphone, co-vented by James East West in 1964. Even for those who aren't quick to pick up the mic during karaoke, microphones are used daily to communicate distance away. Thanks to James E. West. And the last one I'm going to mention is the carbon light bulb filament, invented by Louis Latimer in 1881. The light bulb itself was perfected by Thomas Edison, but the innovation used to create longer lasting light bulbs with a carbon filament came from an African American inventor, Louis Latimer. A lot of times we haven't heard about Louis Latimer because of Thomas Edison. But I haven't tried to mention all these to show you Black History Day. But the reason why I showed you though is that 
It always has been somebody that had an idea and tried to bring about something and somebody tried to decredit it. What about your story? Many of you guys have heard in childhood that you're going to be just like your cousin, your mom, your dad, your brother, or somebody else. Somebody had discredited you in your life. And you beat the odds and they didn't want to listen to you saying that, no, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be this in life. And many people have not listened to you in your life. Even go further than that, even as a believer in Christ. You have shared the good news with somebody and somebody didn't listen to what you had to say. And they actually brushed it off. What happened though, just like many of you guys have been, many of you guys have probably been first graduates out of your family. Or being the first married couple out of your family. I don't know what it is, but many of you guys now look back of all those things someone might have said and how you defeated the odds. Not to say you live your life just to prove them wrong. I hope y'all didn't live your life just to prove somebody. But for the most part, though, you can look back at it how you have defeated the odds. In the same way, many people have heard the gospel. And they have counted out from you. Then later on in years and months later, they might call you out. Let me talk more about this gospel message. The reason why I gave you these examples today of these inventors that many have discredited and now we cherish today. Many have people have not considered them and have cherished their worst today. Because many of these names, I'm pretty sure I can ask many of us in here, because I didn't know all these names. I'm pretty sure we didn't even know all these names. But one thing I would say here today is that very similar, we're going to see in our test today. We're going to see Paul as well, a man that is God about a spirit, a man that God uses, Speak, speaks in a profound way to try to say to people on this ship and they're not going to listen to him. They're going to neglect the words of Paul today and we're going to see what's going to happen not listen to the words of a wise man of God. And I think it's going to benefit for us too. Sometimes in life, People are not going to trust our words. But I want to really drill in all of us today. Even though people might not trust, might not listen to our words, it is one that we can trust. It is one that we can, we can rest in. We can trust the Lord even when people don't trust us. When people don't trust our word and trust our wisdom, the Lord we can trust. We're going to do it in two points today, with three points. Paul, uh, wisdom rejected by the storm. I think it might have changed some words in there. Um, Paul um, led the people that didn't listen to him. Regardless of the Paul, help, some tried to plot against Paul prisoners. And those points actually, the updated points are on your program, so... The ones I have are not updated. So refer back to the ones on your program, number one. So look at point number one we see here. Luke now keeps record of what is happening as Paul gets ready to be transported to Rome. Paul is given over to the centurion of Augustan court named Julius. Atristicus, uh, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with Paul. 
Um, you remember Tristicus again? You remember early in, uh, in Acts? He was one of the guys that was there, I believe, when Paul was there um, before the great statue of, um, is it Diana? Not Diana. Is it Diana? The Grano of the world in Ephesus? Diana. Was that? Diana. Artemis. Artemis. I don't know if the King James is a different word for Artemis in the different versions. Um, but Artemis. And one of the persons that was stood there that was supporting the work of the Christian gospel was Artisticus. Artisticus of Macedonia is accompanying Paul. He's from Thessalonica. But also we know that Luke is here because Luke is recording this for us. Luke is telling us right now what is happening on this trip. It said, and when it was decided that we should say, so Luke is here, Artisticus is here. So Paul is not alone in here on this journey. One person says that Paul is at last on his way to Rome. Even though he's been taken there as a prisoner, Luke and Artisticus sails with him together with the prisoners. Some are on the way, their way to death in the amphitheater in Rome. So Paul is not alone here on his journey. Have brothers that are accompanying him on his, on his missionary field. And what is Luke doing? Luke is keeping his diary. He is writing out in very detail what is happening. One person said this right here about Luke. It's a fresh in his mind, vivid and exciting, the most detailed record of a storm and shipwreck that we have from ancient times. Did y'all catch that? This writing right here, this detailed story in 27 about a storm and how they sail, we don't have any other writings in all of history that goes this far back than what we have in God's word. Think about the time of Aristotle. Think about the time of, of Plato. Or during the time of, you know, 100 or 300 B.C. or 2000 B.C. We don't have anything more ancient than what we have in the writings of Luke. And you look on a map, and you don't do it right now, but if you put up your Apple maps, I don't know if Android have maps on those, but you put up maps on an Apple phone, um, you can be able to see amazing a, a, the land of Crete. You can see the direction they're going. And it's beautiful to be able to see the map of the places that we have mentioned here today. So again, to show you the, the Bible, the historicity of the Bible, the Bible actually shows us and everything, places all around the world before we actually get the atlas that we have today. So Luke tells us that Paul took the ship from Caesarea to Sidon. Let me help you guys from the Caesarea to Sidon. I would say, um, say if you took a, a boat up the Mississippi River, um, I'd say from Arkansas, uh, probably a little bit farther if you took the Arkansas River all the way up to Little Rock or something. Uh, might be a little bit farther up from Caesarea to Sidon, but very close distance. But anyway, Paul, I mean, Paul, they take a ship from Caesarea to Sidon. Sidon, you guys remember, Sidon is the place that Jesus visited in his earthly ministry. So while in Sidon, Julius is friendly, it's a centurion of the Augustan court, he allowed Paul to meet up with some Christian brothers there. So Paul got to chop with some brothers in Sidon. Then Paul eventually boarded a ship there to sail under the lee of Cyprus because the wind were against them. The lee of Cyprus is like close to the bank. 
You don't want to get too far from the, the lead. You don't get too far from it because you get too far in the ship and in the, in, in, in up sea, the winds are going, it's going to easily cause a shipwreck. So what happened is they go across the lee of Cyprus to keep themselves safe because of the blowing of the wind. And I think the lee of Cyprus is the directing how it's, how it's directing how it's placed, that the wind was blowing, the wind was blowing from the east. So protected, to be protected by the wind, they had to go closer to Cyprus. So they made it near Sicilia, Pamphylia. Pamphylia, you guys remember, that was the first place that Paul went on the first missionary trip. It's actually the south part of the Asia Minor. So Paul is actually passing through Pamphylia, then they go to Myra. And that's when they found the ship headed to Italy. This ship was actually an Alexandrian ship. At this time, Alexandria still was a place that was depleted in so many different resources of history, but Alexandria still was a powerhouse for wealth. And one of the amazing ships they had was came from Alexandria, and that's the ship that Paul is going to use to go over to Italy before the crash. So when they got into the ship, headed to Rome, the wind got so bad against Sinatus, which is near Laodicea. You guys know in Revelation, the seven churches. So right above, you go past Pamphylia, you go up, you can be able to see Sonatas. But as they was fought, while they were traveling on the boat, the wind got worse. Listen to from Luke in verse 8. Coast along, it was difficult. We came to a place called a fair haven, near which was the city of Lycia. This was actually near a place called Crete. You guys know Crete? The book of Titus. The book of Titus. We're dealing with the Cretans, the Cretes. The Cretes were known as people that were gluttonous, that were filthy people. They were considered people that were salvages. But Paul told Timothy to put things in place there. Put things in place in Crete. Put things in order in Crete. Paul goes on to say, as they make it close to Crete, Paul advised them in verse 10, saying, Sir, I perceive that the voids will be with injury, and much loss, not only the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. Paul is saying that this is not safe to go on this trip. I understand you want to get to Rome. It is not safe. The winds are too heavy for us to make it. So Paul is pleading with them and saying is that let us not continue on this voyage. Is that we're all going to possibly get hurt in this. We don't need to go continue in this. Y'all think they focus in the ball? No. Think about what's on this ship. This ship from Alexandria was a ship with a lot of grain. Alexandria and Africa at this place was still a very flourishing country with produce. And so for them, they're thinking that is that we not only need to get the prisoners to Rome, we also have a lot of grain on here, plenty of grain, a fortune, a lot of money worth of grain. We need to get here to make this money. A lot of times they wouldn't get paid until they come back, right? They wouldn't get come back until what they have a receipt or whatever the case may be, where they take the grain and get paid for it. It's a, the, the transaction got to be correct before them to get 
the resources from this voyage. So they're thinking about money right here. It's like, man, forget some, forget some wind. We got to make it here to Rome. They paid ball no mind. They want to reach Rome. Look at verse 11. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter. Think about what I just said. Centurion. The centurion is not listening to Paul. Who is the centurion? What's his name? What's his name? Look in Bibles. Julius. Julius. Hold on to that. And we're going to come back to this. So he's not listening to Paul right now on this. And so for him, that he's taking note to the poly, listen to everyone else. Look at verse 12. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out the sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix and the harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. So they didn't take heed to Paul's words. Jump down to verse 13. Listen what happens. Now when the south wind blew gently, suppose that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed an anchor and sailed along creek close to the shore. But soon as the temperate wind called the northeaster struck down from the land, and then the ship was caught and could not face the wind. Traveling at the sea got so bad that they had to throw off the ship. We see this in, in verse, we'll see it here shortly. That they're going to have to start throwing stuff off the ship here shortly because the wind gets so bad. They were so, the storm was so violent. They were tossing back and forth. In a sense right here, the storm was so bad, you couldn't even see the sun and nor, nor the stars for a few days. But Paul tried to warn them, but they didn't want to listen to him. Family, what happened when for us, right? We try to warn those around us. We try to warn those around us and people don't listen to us. What happens when we try to help somebody with something and they don't listen? Even nature testified that the winds were so bad to travel and but also Paul proclaimed was so bad to travel and Paul has been a man of faith along the way with integrity and they still didn't listen to him. So what about day-to-day -day life? As we give wisdom to others, as we try to help others around us, as believers we are to share the greatest news to the world, most of the time people don't listen. They don't want to turn from the darkness to the light. The greed in their hearts and the, the greed and, and the things in this life, they don't listen to us. Family, they're not listening to Paul. They are so greedy thinking about making it to Italy with these produce. And again, they're going to lose it all here shortly. They're going to lose it all. Their greed had their mind and eyes so blinded that they thought they was gaining so many things, but they're going to lose it all. Family, the heart is prideful. It wants what it's want on its own time. These men are not listening to Paul. What about us? Have we been in this place before? Somebody have given us great, good wisdom. 
and we don't want to listen to them because we have blinded our, our eyes, we have closed our ears because we wanted what we want. I think we all have been there before. I think all of us have been there this past week, right? A lot of times we follow after the flesh because the flesh cater to our affections, to our attractions, and everything else. And a lot of times we don't want to listen to, to others around us. We don't want to listen to God's word because we want what the flesh wants. Of course we can say these people not listening to Paul. Family, we have a hard time listening to each other. And I think we struggle with that. Because when our eyes and our mind get focused on something, we do whatever we take to get whatever we focus on. Family, that is rooted in pride. It's rooted in pride. We should be able to cherish the wisdom in this room. Man. We should be able to build one another up. We should be able to challenge one another. We should be able to listen to one another. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. Jesus doesn't die for one individual. He died for a body of believers. He redeemed to himself. Family, we need each other. If we don't, if we don't listen to each other or, or take wisdom from each other, why did Christ die for people? So ladies, do, do you close your ears when a, when a sister challenges you? When, when a sister challenges you in the direction you're going in life? Or, brother, do you close your ears when a brother challenges you in your life? Family, we should, as body of believers, always knowing that our flesh is weak, it is a good possibility that we are going down the wrong road. We always need someone to encourage us in times of life. I look back at my own life. When I was in college and freshman and sophomore, and for me, I was so distant from my Christian community. I was Christian in words, but, but, but my life didn't show it. I didn't have brothers around me. Brother, live for Jesus. Brother, fight this, fight this. I didn't have it around me, so guess what I did? I enjoy the things of the flesh. I'm not saying that I can blame them. I blame my own heart. But what would be so beautiful for me to have brothers telling me, brother, you're going down the wrong road. So brothers and sisters, take advantage of what we have. Let's look at point two. Paul lead the people and then listen to him. It says something else on your, on your program. So they're without a food for a long time now. Everybody at this point is hopeless, not confident with the elitists on the ship. The perfect time for the Lord to open up the mouth of Paul, and that's exactly what the Lord does. Look at verse 21. Since they have been out without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete. 
and incurred this injury and loss. The people were thinking about the death at this point. They are hopeless and following their own desires. They thought they would find peace, but they didn't. They thought they could make a lot of money off these grains and all the things on the ship, and they didn't. This ship wouldn't have looked like this if they truly considered the words of Paul. But it's no coincidence of the storm. The Lord got them to a point for them to be submitted to the words of Paul. Now for them, they're hopeless. Paul tried to give them the truth and tried to encourage them in the truth, but now they don't have any other option but to listen to this brother. This is what Paul said in verse 22. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have told, been told. But we must run aground on some island to learn from Paul that they will all stay alive. And the angel of God testified this to Paul. Mankind is limited. So we need the strength and the power of the one that can come and rescue them. So the Lord now uses, uses Paul right here to proclaim the truth is that the God has spoken to him. That, that God has told him what's going to happen. So why did God allow this storm to happen? We see what has happened is that for God to show his glory. God allowed this storm to happen for Paul to proclaim for them, in front of them. That this wisdom that Paul has that no one in the world can compare to. Y'all don't have to be afraid that no one is going to die from this ship. No one is going to die from this ship. And I already told you in the past, though, is that, that this ship cannot go because the wind are bad. You didn't listen to me. Now I'm telling you what the Lord has said that you will not die from this ship. God granted y'all safety because of his desire for Paul to make it to Rome before Caesar. And the Lord desired for the Gentiles of Rome to hear the gospel. So the Lord preserves Paul and also preserves those connected with Paul. I see here in this text, it's the beauty of God even at the work. Here in the midst of the situation, that God uses Paul and for them at this point, for many of them, they wouldn't even consider the words of Paul. But it's amazing how God humbles the pride. Now they need the brother. Have you ever had somebody in life like that? They wouldn't deal with you until they need something from you? Now, they don't have any other choice. The, the, the ship is about to be shipwrecked. They don't have any other choice now but to listen to Paul. So now Paul has their undivided attention now. And now for them wanting to live, now God has used this. Family, does that sound familiar? When you're sharing the gospel with somebody, the first thing you do is one of the things you do is you share the gospel with them. You talk about God, who God is, the creator of the universe. Then you talk about what? You nail it to the law. 
You get to the law and let them see that they have sinned against God. You let them know who they are before God. You let them see that they are hopeless outside of God. And that's when you get attention. For those that are going to respond to the gospel or some that are interested in the gospel, a lot of times when they see they have broken a sin against the Holy God, that's when you get their attention, right? Th those that are truly going to respond, some that are blinded and some that are really not going to respond, that's one thing. But for those that truly respond and that truly become believers, they are broken by their sin. They are broken. They have not listened to God. They have not took heed to his words. They saw they have sinned against them. Their, eye, their eyes have been slaved to the things in this world. But once they hear who they are before a holy God, for them they come into repentance. Family, I think that's kind of what happened here. They're blinded by pride. They're blinded by getting the ship to get these resources from, from Italy. They're blinded by all these things. But now the Lord calls a shipwreck for them now to listen to the word of Paul. But even all in the Christian life. A lot of times God allows shipwrecks to happen in our own lives. Sometimes we might lose a job. Sometimes we might lose friendships. and Sometimes we might lose things. For the Lord to show us who we are. To grow us in sanctification. To mold and shape us to the way he wants us to be. family. What's in your life right now? What's in your life right now that's been difficult for you in this season of life? That has been hard for you to listen to the things of God? Whatever those things are, God's word has, has already said to us what God has called us to do. And for us being blinded and not listening to the things of God, of course, right? Of, of course, we might look at these bad situations as shipwrecks. But the good thing about it, though, is that in the midst of all that, our God still comes through in his own faithfulness to his people. Before we, end, before we go to point three, we see in verse 27 and 38 how the ship crashes on the land. Paul tells him that you won't be saved trying to jump out of the ship. The only one that stay in this ship will be saved. You can jump out you want to, you're going to die. For those that stay in this ship, you will live. And God did what he said he was going to do. He kept them all alive. Let's look at the last point, point number three. The centurion trusts Paul when others don't trust. When daytime came, they didn't know where they are after this shipwreck. But they saw land and tried to keep the ship and sea, but it's going so fast that it ran aground. This is the time for the soldiers to celebrate Paul's leadership and bring them safety, right? But look what we found out in verses 42. To 44. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump aboard first and make for the land. If 
all what Paul, the Lord has done through Paul. They want to kill all the prisoners. Paul tried to help them several times here. Paul has told them already that we don't need to go out to sea. The ship is not going to make it. Then the second time Paul had talked to them, Paul said, everybody needs to stay in the ship. The Lord's not, nobody's going to lose their life in this. If everybody stay in the ship, Paul is speaking on the behalf of the Lord here. And Paul is trying to care for them. And these folks right here still plot to kill the brother. The heart of man, isn't it? Who can understand the heart of man? Paul went so far to help them. And they still want to kill him. Tells in Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it? Psalm 51, 10, created me a clean, a clean heart. Oh God, renew me right within, a right spirit within me, a clean heart. The heart is filthy. Genesis 8, 21, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I would not, I would not again curse the ground anymore for the sake of man's sake. For the, ima the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Man's heart is wicked. You would think that Paul was serving and trying to help them, and they still turned it back on Paul. It's the heart of man. Apart from Christ, family, this is our heart. A total depraved heart. A heart that loves the things in this world. We were just like these folks. The, the Lord has shown us mercy before we came to Christ, but we turn our back against the Lord every single time. That's what they're doing. So it's no surprise why they want to kill Paul after what Paul has done for them. Even they're thinking that, well, the Roman Caesar, if they found out, though, is that these prisoners got away or whatever the case may be, the ship, maybe they're going to take our life. But for them out of some type of loyalty, this man, Paul, just saved my life. I love you, Caesar. I know Caesar's going to, he just saved my life. You would think they have some type of integrity for Paul. They don't. Why not? Because man's heart, Genesis 6, 5, and God saw the wickedness of man's heart was great on the earth. Psalm 119, 11, the word I have hid in my heart that I might sin against thee. Because man's heart is wicked. Man was sin apart from God. The plot on Paul has been all through Acts. All throughout Lystra, we heard about Paul. They're trying to kill Paul. Two times in custody, they plot to kill Paul. And now, even at this time, Paul has tried to help them, and they still try to kill the brother. Family, these are the, the world of the people that we are evangelizing and sharing the gospel with. Many of us get disappointed when people don't hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. This is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a world.